Hello, welcome to the weekend edition of Daily Devos, where we have some conversations with people in our community and connected to our community. Today we have the wonderful privilege of getting to know Blanca Pedigo a little bit. Blanca has been in the neighborhood many years and she has a wonderful, beautiful story that we just barely get into, but we are so thankful, grateful that she is part of our new creation community, family, as well as um, on staff with us, working part-time, helping us form and shape our community life in a way that is meaningful to the immigrants and refugees in our community and uh, people from uh, Latinx background. So we're very excited. She loves the Lord. She loves people. And I hope you enjoy the conversation we have. Yes, so we're here with Blanca Pedigo. And um, yeah, love for people to get to know you as I've gotten to know you the last few years. It's pretty awesome to get to know you. And love to just people to hear some of your stories. So do you mind sharing a little bit about how your immigration journey went? Because maybe not everyone knows that you were born in Mexico, right? Yes. City. Mexico City. <laughs> City. And so tell us a little bit about your journey over here. Um, well, I have, let's see, I was, uh, they brought us in when I was like almost 12, I think, 12, 13. I was wow. pretty young. Um, it was more like a game because everybody else in my family have a way to crossing over, a passport, but my little brother and myself did not. So my dad came like in the morning, six o'clock in the morning, says, grab your stuff, let's go. We're going to go to the river. And I'm going to the river. Um, and it was weird because I guess I find out that something went wrong with my dad. Kind of look at me and say, just don't let your brother go. Like, just stay with him. And I'm going, you're going to let me go with this perfect stranger? And you never let me go with my aunt, but you're going to let me go with this guy. So anyway, but they put us... I remember they put us in a tire, set us down, and the guy just said, oh, we're going to cross the river. I'm going to take you to the other side. You're going to meet your cousin over there. And I'm going, oh, okay. And my brother is very, I can't remember how old he was, but he was just crying because he wanted to meet my mom. Mm-hmm. And I tried to keep him quiet because the guy was like looking at me saying, you had to tell him to be quiet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I knew, I knew something was going something was happening, but I couldn't understand why I just knew what my father's look and the guy's look that. I needed to be quiet. I needed to make my brother kind of listen to me, which mm. it was it was weird, but he did. Wow. He, he <laughs> sensed weird, the severity of the situation. He huh? did. I think we both did. Um, because, it, you know, it was it was something that we knew my dad would never do. And then when we got to the other side, you know, it was just like a running game or a, you know, my... my a running my, game. Yeah. My, my cousin made it seem like... You know, it was it was kind of like a game, but like I knew, like that's something. You know, and I think it took me a couple of years to like realize, you know, the danger that we're in, and obviously, you know, any all the things that could have happened. Mm-hmm. Um, I just remember like waiting, um, trying to calm my brother down when we got to a safe house, and 
um, the, this this blonde lady was trying to calm us down in her own way, and you know, kind of kind of settled us down until my mother got there. But it was just, you know, it, it, I kind of left it away until then. I started talking a couple of years after, you know, people would ask me, and and then I start kind of, oh yeah, I remember now. I remember how he felt, and you know, the eyes. It kind of you try to block it so you don't have to think about it because it was a little. But then, you know, now more and more, I. I don't compare my story to people that had crossed miles and miles away because I think it was, we were here in the perfect timing. I, I think God planned it um, in a very beautiful way, even though we had to go through a lot of studies, not half of what other people had to go through. Mm-hmm. And um, it really makes you think about, you know, um, what people had to cross and when they had to cross other countries, not only a river. You know, but they had to go through it. So, as I always tell people, I cannot compare myself to other immigrant stories. But you know, it was it was kind of funny at the moment. Um, but you know, as a child, it was kind of scary. Yeah. To have that feeling, um, and I know that something was happening, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah. Well, what was it like? So obviously, they made it a game to cross and to come over. Uh, what was it like at 12 years old, assuming you didn't know English? Much at least, or known. We had like the basic, but okay. So, what was it like being an immigrant young woman, twelve years old? It was. I think that the hardest part was when we moved into Albuquerque because the first couple of years, so that first two years, we were living in El Paso, and it was fine because everybody spoke Spanish even mm. in school. Mm. Um, so the, the teachers would help us. It was when we got into Albuquerque that my reality hit because all the teachers were like, yeah, you need to learn English. Like, mm-hmm. this is in a self-class. You need to... We're like, yeah, but you need to speak Spanish. And I would say, nope. <laughs> right. You need to learn it. Um, so I think it's, it was easier for my younger brother and myself to learn the language just because we were little and we can catch it better with games or friends or... You know, I, re- I remember myself trying to um, learn like the first game that were my friends were playing all together mm-hmm. with their hands, and I, there was a song to it that I was like, I want to learn that song so I can play with you guys. Because they were asking me to play, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't play with them because I didn't know the song mm-hmm. um, until they figure it out. Like, oh, she doesn't know the song, so um, like two of them speak, uh, spoke Spanish, and they kind of tell me what the song was about, kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I think it was easier. It was easier for me to adapt. I think um, that for my older brother and my older sister to mm-hmm. do it, um, and my younger brother definitely he he doesn't remember anything gotcha. from Mexico. So he's he, he, yeah, he never he just speaks more English than any of us right. do. So, <laughs> but it was just because he was so young. So it sounds like on the whole, like people were fairly kind, like the other kids and things like that. You didn't have a lot of... No, I mean, they were... <laughs> kids could be cruel. <laughs> yeah, right. But I think it was more... Yeah, I think it was more when we got into Albuquerque just because it was, mm-hmm. you know, the language and an understanding. Um, I, I think people they're having for generations here and they're also part of Mexico, like you tend to want to connect with them, but then there's... There's other stuff that has been happening to them that you're like, okay, I can't, I can't connect with you, even though you're somewhere in your history, you were, you were part of Mexico, right? Right. Um, I just find out that that was the, like the hardest part for me when I came to Albuquerque, like to really try to connect with, with Chicana history and culture, mm-hmm. and culture, and you know, it, it took me a while. Gotcha. Yeah. 
So in immigration, they talk about a push-pull dynamic, right? Like people immigrate um, often because either or both they're being pushed due to economic situation, violent situations, things like that, or and or pulled by opportunity, um, things like that. So what, as you talk to your dad, um, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of dialogue beforehand, but as you've talked about and heard your story, your family's story, like what was the push-pull? Why did you uh, move to the U.S.? I think it was, it was a long time making because my grandfather was doing papers for them, for his whole family, and something happened with the person. Before it was easier, right? A person had to just ask for you, sign for you, and you can cross kind of thing. Um, so when he was already in immigration ready to cross, the lady made a comment of, you know, maybe your daughters can help me clean the house or something, my father says. And right then and then, my grandfather broke all the papers and said, I'm not taking my kids for, for them mm. to be your mates. And mm. so my dad remembered that, and he, he said that he felt like, like his opportunity to come to a new, a new country and do new things was broken right there. Mm-hmm. So he was obviously in the back of his mind, you know, wanted to bring us. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was the economical part, but I think it was more his desire for us to have a better life than mm-hmm. what he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I cannot say that we were really bad. I mean, he had a good job. We had a, a we owned our own house. Um, mm-hmm. We didn't have a vehicle, but at least, you know, he had a company vehicle, but I think all the, I always heard for him to say to my mom is like, you know, my mother will say, well, why do you brought us here? You know, because she will get really isolated and mm. depressed. And he will always respond, you know, like this is for our kids to have a better life. Mm. And that was his, I think his greatest push was that. Mm. And now that we talk about it as, you know, as an adult, it's like, we would have gotten in a lot of trouble in Mexico because my brother was already, you know, there were guns. They wanted to mm. um, be my older brother um, for him to belong to them. So, you know, like my dad, I think my dad was seeing what could happen. Mm. So he just tried to and took the opportunity to bring us here just to have a better life. Right. Wow. Cool. So you've been working, well, for a long time you work with Salvation Army, right? Yeah, I was kind of a first job one of my first jobs and how long were you at Salvation Army almost 10 years 10 years and uh, then you've been at East Central Ministries for how long about seven now seven and before that it was Enlace Enlace Enlace. and what was Enlace Enlace was a a program for domestic violence okay wow and Spanish speaking yeah it was it was for Latino the program is concentrated on Latino communities yeah okay yeah, so for 10 years, Salvation Army, working with people um, primarily unhoused, right? Unsheltered. Yes. Mm-hmm. Then you have um, how many years at Enlace? Sorry. About eight. eight. Eight years at Enlace, working with um, primarily Latina, Latino um, d- victims of domestic violence. And then you've been at East Central Ministries since then. And you've been working with um, primarily immigrant um, families in the International District, right? Yes. And you, right now, I'm just telling you about yourself. So <laughs> right now you work as the director, interim long-term director of the clinic, One Hope Centro de Vida yes. at East Central Ministries. Awesome. So as you've been um, working with people and, and living life with people um, in our neighborhood and experiencing these things, like, 
what's, are there any stories that come to mind? Um, what motivates you, uh, when you, to just be in this kind of work and to be, be with people? People. <laughs> people. Yeah. I mean, really like every, I, I think in every job I had the opportunity to learn from people. Um, it's fascinating what people can teach you. You let them, if you listen, um, you pay attention. I mean, you, I think in my mind, I never knew what it was to work with persons that have no housing, um, mm-hmm. or have no place to stay or place to go. Um, I think Salvation Army prepared me for a lot of stuff that I, that I had never experienced when I was young. Um, and then at last I kind of opened my mind to the, to the, you know, what if, Right. Mm-hmm. So I got to travel a lot around the country and outside of it and to mm-hmm. learn from, from people of, of every, you know, um, what do you call it? Like, you know, like there is no, not only what we think that is domestic violence, it's, it's, it's such a big spectrum, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's so many things that people don't even think that are, they could be hurting a child or a, or a woman or a man. Mm-hmm. Um, so that gave me the opportunity to, to, to see and to prepare myself, like, you know, how important it is to train yourself and to learn um, not only from people, but also from, from other communities and other, um, like other parts of the country that they have the same situations that are happening here. And then with, with ECM, like I really then, everything got together where I can do a lot of the stuff that, that I've been trained on and that I learned. Um, but mostly the people... You know, like today I was telling you that I have um, one of our one of our um, patients that comes in and every time she prepares meals for other people, like she's like, oh, guys, I got enough, you know, that I brought you some. And it, it just feels so awesome. You know, sometimes they stop us in the street and oh, how you doing? And it's just being part of the community. And, and you know, in other places would tell me that you, you're not supposed to um, franchise, I think is the word. Um, you know, with clients and oh, fraternize, yeah, yes. yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Uh, that's the word. Yeah. Uh, but I'm like, but that's part of who we are, right? Mm-hmm. This is community. Like, I can't, I cannot stop from engaging with people that I live with, right? This is, this is they're my neighbors. They're, you know. So I think with with East Central Ministries, I had learned that that is okay to do, right? Mm-hmm. And now, you know, that new coming to new creation, that more the better because yeah. now it's a different way of seeing church too. Mm-hmm. So it's. I think everything has, it's for a reason. So yeah. I'm here. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm really excited that you're with us. New, that last part is my most exciting yes. part, that you're with New Creation, that you're part of our community, and um, and that you're officially like l- helping lead us and form us. I'm really excited about that. So as you, um, thinking about people, uh, living in the neighborhood, you know, you've been living in the neighborhood quite a while, and you also um, are familiar for many years with people, um, yeah, having various struggles. What what's a word that you would speak to your community, to New Creation Albuquerque? Like, what do you feel like is important for us to know, to hear? I think the. What it has worked for me is you you never know how familiar or how equal or how how much similarity you have with other people if you don't start talking to them, if you don't get to know them. Like it will surprise you that, you know, probably the neighbor that you think you have nothing in common has more 
more in common than you ever thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when we get to know our neighbor, then you you can appreciate better or you can have better conversations instead of saying, oh, he just let his dog walk around instead of thinking, well, they can't walk. That's why the dog goes outside. Mm-hmm. You know, simple things that we think they're, they're done against us is reality is not against us. It's just, it just happens because people have lives and have mm-hmm. problems just like we do. Um, so I think one of the things that I will always say is, you know, get to know, get to know your neighbor, get to get, get to know the person that you're next to. Um, and, and mainly because when I used to live in Rio Rancho, like I never knew anything about my neighbors. Like mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't even tell you how many people live next door to me or and here, like it, it just feels it's a beautiful thing to at least know the families that are around me and, you know, get to know people, um, even in the street, you know, sometimes we got people that always say hello to me. I, I couldn't tell you their names, but I, I can tell you where they are and who they are when at what moment they are in that corner. And I think that's, that's a beauty mm-hmm. uh, to me. So it was one of the biggest things of why I brought my daughter back, you know, to her was like, wow, they're in the street. Why are they in the street? You know, and her trying to figure it out. And now as an adult, it's like, there's a reason. It's not because they want to be. It's not because, you know, it's just, it's a system. It's, it's a bigger issue, but then we can help um, if we get to know them. Right. You know, just to have conversations with people. Yeah. Getting to know them. That's yeah, great. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, can I ask you a couple, I do this thing called speed round. Sure. So I'm going to ask you silly questions and you have to respond with the very first thing that comes to your mind. Oh, God. All right. So one question that has made the list every time is, what's your favorite Disney princess? Oh, that's not fair. That's not fair. It has to be White Snow, just because they called me that when I was little. What was it? White, Snow White? Snow White. Oh, yeah. Just White because... Snow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Snow White. Why did they call you Snow White? I don't know. Just because I had the black hair, I guess. I... Oh, okay. Nice. What is uh, your favorite book? It was like the women's, like Sor Juan Inés de la Cruz. It's it, it's a it's a poem by, um, it's a book that talks about women that did poetry in Mexico, and oh. it was like very strong. So one one of them is Sor Juan Inés de la Cruz, and then, um, yeah, I can't remember the name. That's good. Right. That's good. But I well, promise I get it, and, it and, and I send it to you guys. It's <laughs> awesome. Favorite um, ice cream. Flavored ice cream. Cheesecake. Cheesecake flavored ice cream. Yeah, cheesecake. Okay. Cheesecake nice. strawberry cheesecake. There you go. Strawberry cheesecake. Yes. Nice. Um, and favorite TV show. Do you have one? No. I I, I love watching movies. I don't care okay. what movies. Favorite are. movie. Oh, it has to be superheroes. Anything to do with oh, superheroes. Oh yeah. You're like an Avengers fan. Yes. Really. Yes, I love it. Uh, our, I want to buy that old, I know, there's like 30 some movies, so I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> nice. All right. Cool. All right. If there's one way, and this is uh, getting out of speed round, one way our community could pray for you, what would that be? Ah, oosh, there's so many things. <laughs> I think the main one, ah. I think family, um, just, just my husband, my daughter, my father, mm-hmm. um, and I would continue to go with brothers, sisters, but I think the, the four of us are, um, 
one of the biggest things that, you know, I, I know if, if somebody else is praying for them, they're okay. Mm-hmm. Like they God okay. has it in their hands. All right. So. so we can pray for Blanca's family. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Awesome. <laughs> it was fun. There you have it. Blanca Pedigo. Isn't she awesome? Uh, hope you get to know Blanca as we continue to share transformative life with Jesus and one another for the peace, justice, and flourishing of the neighborhood that Jesus is bringing about. Hey, I hope you enjoy the Daily Devos this week. Seth Platt is going to be leading us through the Devos this week. So tune in on Monday, read those scriptures, and we'll talk to you later. Love y'all.